Welcome. We're live. Mike Crawford here, Young Jerks. It's uh, been a while. Really happy to be back. We've got a special guest uh, standing by. Uh, we're going to bring on right now. He's he's here right now. But it's been a while. I haven't, I haven't done a show in a while. I figured I'd say something about it uh, and also acknowledge uh, the award we got this week, this weekend, I guess. Yeah. We got, we got a pretty big deal. It was uh, the Cannabis Convention, New England Cannabis Convention. Uh, we were nominated uh, for a couple awards, and the show podcast took home uh, the Best Cannabis Podcast Award 2021. It will go on a shelf. That'll be the last time you see that, but it, it's really an honor to win uh, that award, especially because it comes from the community, our peers, uh, to be thought of as the number one. Everyone's got a podcast now. We we One of our biggest past guests was Bob Lobel. We brought Bob Lobel, the sportscaster, out of the cannabis closet on the show, on the podcast. It was one of our biggest episodes. He's got his own podcast, and that's a lot of what has happened over our podcasting careers. Everyone has a podcast now, and, and to, to be nominated to win it's uh, pretty cool, especially when we've been on a long, extended kind of hiatus for us. We took a break for the first time in a long time. And uh, I'm not sure how many shows, when we're going to be doing shows, but uh, this show does not die. And it's because of our supporters, our listeners, the people that voted for us for the award, for instance, that keep us going, and the guests. So we're going to get to the guests because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Again, my name is Mike Crawford. Uh, we have a special guest. I'm going to just throw it right up there. Cambridge City Councilor Quentin uh, Zondervan is here right now, and we're going to bring him up if I can figure out how to add him to the stream. Here we go. Quentin, what's up? How's it going? Good. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Yeah. Honored to be on your first show in a while. That's that's good news. It is good news. I, it's 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 not about us though. That's the funny thing. But I'll I'll take that. I I feel that that you're you're into our good news because usually you know you when you talk to someone you haven't talked to in a while, it's like what what awesome things have you been up to? And last night some awesome things happened, and you've been up to so much awesome stuff, getting into the good trouble, all kinds of trouble in the city of Cambridge. But some good things have been happening. So. Uh, just kick it off with you. What? Where do you want to start with the good things? <laughs> Was it last night or the last months or or the elections that are going on tonight? Where do you want to kick it off? Well, let's start with the the good news of last night. We uh, we made some some major progress. We extended the cannabis preference period by one one more year to give economic empowerment applicants more time because as we all know not a single economic empowerment uh, store has opened in cambridge after a two-year preference period for them to do so um the good news is that we did hear that seven uh, applicants in cambridge have signed those community agreements with the city so they have made progress but they weren't able to get all the way to, to opening up but that that's the big hurdle uh, to, to really get the process going because we've been through this with a lot of our friends now uh, that have finally some of them opened. Uh, and it's that host community agreement. It's like halftime for the whole process. It's like, right. and then once you get to that half 
time point, you have nothing really like, you know, you have no options. You have you like the financing changes. People start opening up checkbooks and offering things to you once you get that HCA. So that's great news that seven companies have host community agreements right now, the yes. recreational cannabis in Cambridge, and they're all within what the, the social economic EE. How does that work? They're all economic empowerment. And um, we did, extend the preference period by one year for economic empowerment and then allowed social equity to come in for the first time as well but you know the social equity applicants will be starting from the beginning so the seven are all economic empowerment now for people that maybe don't know or just cannabis consumers don't understand what we're talking about when we say economic empowerment i could say that they're not the existing big money medical dispensaries that are open right now it doesn't give them a head start it gives some new folks a head start and they have certain requirements and they're in the program uh to create economic empowerment in cambridge is that correct right it's a, a state program that that we recognize and created a special law in cambridge to give those applicants uh, a two-year preference and now extend it to three years um, to really do justice and, you know, allow those who've been harmed by the war on drugs um, to to really benefit from, from legalization and, and be able to open up and establish themselves in the market. You know, I'm glad you brought up the word justice because the way I'm looking at it now, and, and I want the average consumer or the average business person to really think about this and understand what we're talking about here. Because if, you know, the medical system that was set up in Massachusetts was very expensive. And after setting it up and having it, you know, implemented since uh, 2012, we realized that only big money could to afford it. And so with the new licenses on recreation and, and just nationally, you know, both locally and nationally, the new movement is to be make it more affordable so that and, and to address economic disparity and to allow, you know, for instance, black people who are the number one victims of the drug war to actually participate in the market, to have a chance to be a part of the market and not have it all be rich. And I, I don't mean just rich. I mean, mega rich, mega like Wall Street rich white men. You know, it just can't be, you know, mega rich white men. And so because, you know, we're starting to see this, this doesn't even bring justice. This just makes it equal because it takes three years for someone to get equal footing with the dispensary that's already open, that's going to get to open pretty quickly once that that three-year moratorium ends. So really, this isn't even justice. This is just creating an equal market and allowing, which I love, which you said, seven new businesses to open in Cambridge, not to just to have one or two big companies that are already open to, to control the market in Cambridge. No, we're going to have actually seven new companies here, maybe even more than that. And that's what this does. It allows an equal playing field so that the seven are now going to be able to compete against the one big boy that's already open. And that's really what this does, right, Quentin? That's it. And hopefully we will have more. We also incorporated the delivery option uh, as well. So those applicants will get the three years um from the state and then we added an additional year uh for for the del delivery businesses uh, on top of the state's three-year preference period so we're hopeful that in addition to those seven retail businesses that will 
hopefully open soon in the next few months, we'll also start to see uh, delivery businesses uh, getting off the ground as well. I'm getting some comments. Congratulations uh, on, you know, on, on what's happening in Cambridge. Uh, and, and, Part of the good news, you know, this this uh, extending this one year for the economic empowerments is great news. But I think there's another part of this that you mentioned and then I mentioned, which is the justice part, uh, which Saskia Van James and the MRCC and a lot of the other folks in the community have been fighting for or, you know, bringing up. We had a great ed editorial that was in uh, Cambridge Day and also Midnight Mass that we printed from uh, Saskia Van James about this issue um and two yet you passed two different things last night I, i'm, I'm looking i'm looking for them right now on my banners uh what did you pass last night tell tell us quinn so on, on the racial justice front we actually passed three things <laughs> so, three so i did i yes so is that including when we say three things is it including the one that we already talked about no, no. additional additional okay. to, to cannabis um, so we did a policy order calling for a portion of cannabis tax revenues that come to the city of Cambridge to be used for reparations for slavery. And then separately a portion to be used for restitution for the war on drugs. And then we also did a policy order to create a commission of racial justice and equity that would supervise those two programs. So, you know, um, reparations for slavery, restitutions for the war on drugs from cannabis tax revenues, but then also begin a broader conversation about reparations and restitution um, so that we can really begin to do that, that justice work that, that needs to be done. And there was a third one. I know, I know what the third one is now. I know what I forgot, and I think you just forgot it, even though you brought it up that there are three. Do you know what the third is that you missed? Well, I just mentioned three, but so, oh, you did, so you did mention the commission. You did mention the commission. Yes. I, I just, oh, see, yeah. I missed that. I'm, I was, I was doing my uh, programming on the show. I'm a space <laughs> cadet today. I'm missing everything. Okay, so there are three, and and uh, someone brought up, you know, because I want to ask about, you know, um, these three proposals that that passed last night are different than the moratorium right they yes the city manager really has to decide to implement them is that correct that's right yeah yeah so and, the the moratorium is a is an ordinance so we we changed the law but these three are policy orders so these are um requests to the manager to to do what we're what we're proposing do you think the manager will do that i think so um you know, they, they were passed with broad support uh, on the council. And, you know, the cannabis tax revenues are new revenues, right? So they're not spoken for yet. So it's a lot easier to say, and, you know, and we're not saying take all of that money for this purpose, but, you know, it seems reasonable to say to take some of that money and direct it in this way. And then, you know, it's really important to, to have the, the commission to provide that oversight and and that community engagement around the details, you know, how much money should be um, applied, how should it be applied, you know, who who gets to receive the money. So, you know, those are really important details that 
that really the community needs to uh, discuss and work out. And so the, all three of them really work together uh, to make this to make this happen. I hope that uh, Saskia's Saskia Van James, her group, the MRCC, gets some funding because they're like providing so much education to just my, just myself. Never mind, like the whole community, and uh, they have really done a lot of great work on this. So I, I give mad props to them, and I, I actually contribute. I contribute really not you know not much to anyone except maybe friends in need uh, mostly, but. You know, if I can give money, I give I'll give it to them every day of the week. And I hope people do. MRCC is the group uh, Mass Recreational Consumer Council is what you you can find them on uh, Twitter and Facebook and all those other places. They have a website. They have a Patreon. Definitely support them. Uh, Quentin, would you agree with those statements, which I said? I think you had some good quotes about them, actually, in the uh, in the Cambridge day. Am I right on that? Absolutely. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Saskia worked very closely with us on, on all three uh, policy orders to make sure that we that we really got it right. Um, we could not have done it without her. So um, absolutely appreciate her, her effort and, and her commitment to justice. It's uh, really inspiring. Awesome. I want to go back to uh, the ordinance that was passed last night. Um, it's been, you know, because this has been not just an ordinance passed. It, it's been a, a long three plus year battle basically with lawsuits and, and uh, hearings and, and people in white t-shirts showing up. Um, and what we suspected it, at, at the end was kind of some of it was really disclosed uh, in a weird way in the last few weeks. Um, this group mass patient advocacy Alliance who I've, uh, been one of the biggest critics of going way back. Uh, revolutionary clinics disclosed that they've been giving them $1,000 a month, uh, 12 grand a year. And we noticed that the mass patients group showed up with, you know, their volunteers in the white t-shirts. I'm a patient. And we felt like they were sandbagging and, and kind of astroturfing on the real patients in Massachusetts, like myself and a lot of our other friends who were on the opposite side of the issue and we weren't paid uh, to consider our our stance. You know, we 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 we're not accepting money from revolutionary clinics as patients, uh, and they were. And and it's pretty obvious uh, in so many situations that they're getting paid to decide where to who who to stand behind and who to testify for. Um, they're on. You know, they have a, an appointments on this um, advisory council to the to the cannabis control commission. Uh, on a state level, uh, they have some significant political power enshrined in Massachusetts general law. They have seats on this uh, advisory council that, you know, does give them extra ways to raise money uh, and also extra ways to wield their power. What would you say to any state reps or state electeds, you know, considering that board and and that that group having seats, would you say anything about that at this point, or just let that go and sue small fish? Like, how do you feel? Because you've seen, I think you've seen how they operate. They're they're a patients group, you know, pretending to rep patients, but they're really serving the big dispensaries that fund them. What would your comments yeah. be, City Council? I mean, you know, I think it, that is a a state issue, but but I would definitely say. 
that that you know it, it doesn't feel appropriate um it definitely feels like a conflict of interest there and you know locally we've seen uh, similar shenanigans um including you know last week when the council received all all these signatures from local businesses um opposing extending the the moratorium and when you know we started receiving emails last night from businesses retracting their signatures saying oh you know actually we didn't know what we were signing or you know an employee was coaxed into signing something without proper authorization or you know we were told it was something different from what it actually turned out to be and so you know these tactics are just have been ongoing as as you know um the last three years but the beautiful thing is that you know the people and and their representatives um are not you know um fooled by by any of this and and i think we we made the right decision and you know the they're exposing themselves as not not being straight players and you know that's very unfortunate but you know we will continue to do the right thing and they will pay the price they really did too it's uh it's funny like at every step of the way they they kind of show in their incompetence number one um I, you know this award we got i, I want to thank revolutionary clinics i want to thank new new, uh, new england treatment access because i think they won this award for us this year they gave us plenty to cover and uh you know i mean it's that kind of year where we we weren't even you know we kind of stepped stepping back but they gave us good content to cover when we were doing stuff this year so it's just like uh it's just you know and they they're not winning any awards it's it's pretty obvious what's going on right now um you know beyond revolutionary clinics and and their little you know the games that they were playing i mean they they were caught in so many little things going on um what what do you hope to see happen uh with you know the money that comes in for you know recreational dispensaries i know that there's going to be uh maybe some reparations for slavery restitution for the war on drugs there's going to be a new commission on racial justice to implement these policies but even beyond that, there, there, there's money that goes to other places like schools, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we'll we'll continue to work with the manager on on how to allocate those funds. Um, I published a, an op-ed in the Cambridge Day a couple of weeks ago, outlining you know several programs that we could be investing in right now, and you know some of these revenues can go towards those programs as well, you know, from uh, universal pre-kindergarten to extended day programs, summer programs, um, you know, other youth programs uh, to really help support the black community in Cambridge and continue to create more and more economic opportunity. Um, but really the, the list is, is very long because, you know, we've underfunded uh, the community for so long that there are plenty of opportunities um, to do justice with with these funds and and with other funds. I mean, the city of Cambridge is not it's not hurting for money, so we we could be, we could be doing justice right now. You know, it's just a matter of doing it. 
yeah, the city of Cambridge is doing pretty good considering other places, obviously. <laughs> um, we got some comments here online coming in. Damn, you guys are killing it. Keep it up. Quentin from Matthew Brace. Uh, and our friend Patrick Wilson is uh, promoting some Occupy Boston action happening at Faneuil Hall uh, on the 10-year anniversary of Occupy Boston. Have you heard about this? Are you? Are you? Yeah, I'm sure you're an Occupy supporter, right, Quentin? Absolutely. I was there. <laughs> I was there 10 years ago. That was exciting. And Patrick says, peace, love, and solidarity. So speaking of events happening right now, uh, there's a big election happening in the cities and towns in Massachusetts. Uh, some of them are called, I don't know what they call them, prelim elections, I guess. Yeah. They're most like primaries. Uh, you've yeah. definitely endorsed uh, Michelle Wu for mayor. And there are some other races. Who else have you endorsed? What do you expect to happen tonight um, in Boston? Yeah, so I, I also in, endorsed Joe Richards uh, in Boston as well, Ward Four, um, and and some of my friends in in Somerville and Will and Ba for mayor in Somerville. Um, I'm I'm really excited. I, I'm optimistic. I think you know Michelle Wu is is definitely going to win, um, and and I think my friend Will and Ba in, in Somerville is going to win. And we're going to have some uh, some really progressive mayors making uh, making important change. What about the crazy guy in Somerville that that every the the, the tow truck felon? <laughs> Is he? I mean, it, it's scary to think he might win. Yeah. Just, we, did you think there's any shot that the tow truck felon guy will will win? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but you know, I I do a lot of canvassing. You know exactly who I'm talking about. This is what I like. I come up with a name so people don't like. We don't need to repeat his name. He's just calling. Him. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, I do a lot of canvassing, you know, for my own race in Cambridge, and you know, particularly at the uh, the library, which is a, a beautiful spot, and a lot of our friends from Somerville come over and you know enjoy that facility and. And so when I ask them, you know, do you vote in Cambridge? A lot of folks will say, no, no, I live in Somerville. And I'll say, vote for Will, you know, and I'm getting lots of, yeah, I will. So, you know, I think he's uh, he's got great support. And so in Somerville for mayor, how does that work? Is it just like Boston? Is it they narrow it down to two? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how many candidates are there in Somerville for mayor right now? bunch you know to be honest yeah i haven't really tracked exactly okay. i think it's four um okay yeah that's scary because those are the kind of races anything can happen you know in a right. way you never know right. like if there's everyone else if there's like four sane people and one crazy guy sometimes a crazy <laughs> guy will win and he shouldn't have because the four good people divided right. the votes you know right well this but is that's why, why we... the, that's why you have these prelims i guess you know so it gets down to two and get a real race Right. I mean, we we prefer to do it differently in Cambridge, of course. So we do the ranked choice voting and that way we don't even need preliminaries. I love the ranked choice voting. I, I think it's a I, I was a Cambridge voter. I, I used to live. It's so funny because, you know, I, I know exactly where about you live now, uh, Quentin. And literally, we were like a block away. Like uh, you were like awesome. my next door elbow, you know, <laughs> one intersection. You know, so it's uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. Now I'm up in the suburbs and it's so boring up here. You know, yeah. it's winner take all. And we actually had a good, you know, 
good little election last time, but uh, still, it's winner take all. It's, it's just not as, right. I don't know, ranked choice is so much fun. It really is, and it, it also allows us to, you know, really support each other as candidates. Yeah, and I think it grows, grow, you know, grows, grows issues, and it really just grows the, I don't know what you call it, but it just grows the excitement of it. It grows, you know, engagement of the, you know, of the pop, you know, of the of the electorate. I guess exactly. you know. So we're the Young Jerks. My name is Mike Crawford. I'm sitting here with uh, chopping it up with Cambridge City Councilor Quinton Zondervan. If anyone has any questions for him, definitely hit us up. But you were one of the big supporters of, you know, some of the things that we're talking about tonight. Um, definitely, I'm, I'm assuming probably the, the first supporter of the reparations for slavery and the restitution for the war on drugs. Am I correct on that? Yeah, so the... Um reparations for slavery policy order was introduced, but it had um, mingled in restitution for the war on drugs. And so we worked together to separate that out. And so I did a separate policy order on restitution. And then in addition to that, I had been working all summer and, and into uh, the spring with Saskia and, and other activists on uh, setting up this commission. Uh, for racial justice and equity. So it, it all came together uh, over the summer and, you know, last night at our first uh, city council meeting after the summer. That's awesome. And um, it passed unanimously, right? Is that correct? Yes. Um, so the commission was co-sponsored by the, the mayor, uh, the vice mayor and Councilor Simmons, um, and it passed unanimously. And so now it's up to, again, it's up to the city manager. Um, is there anything people should be doing? Should they be contacting the city manager or should they just expect it's a done deal and wait to see if he, you know, if he does what he's supposed to do? No, definitely. Uh, people should be reaching out to the manager and, and to the council to you know, make sure that, that these initiatives really move forward. Um, and, you know, the, Manager really has an opportunity. He's retiring uh, next next year, July, and so this is really an opportunity for him uh, to to leave Cambridge with you know really a groundbreaking uh, commission and and set of policies in place to do racial justice. So I, I hope that he will uh, rise to that to that occasion. Now, earlier this year, Cambridge Day, I, I'm referencing them a lot tonight because they do some great coverage. Um, they wrote a story about, um, I th I, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they were the ones covering this, that you kind of got censored by your own city council. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, the city, it, tell us about that. Tell us what the situation, because I, I know my memory won't be as good as you, yours is because it happened to you directly. Right. Yeah, this happened a, f a few weeks ago um, when there was a resolution on the uh, Cambridge Police Commissioner um, moving back to uh, moving to Baltimore. And, you know, I probably should have kept my mouth shut, but, you know, I didn't. Um, but, you know, I said I was happy to thank the commissioner for his service, um, but that I didn't agree with the part of the resolution that um, wished him well in his new endeavor because his new endeavor was to set up 
a brand new police department at Johns Hopkins University, um, which is very controversial. And you know, this is not the time to be creating new new police departments, in my opinion. So you know, I I just couldn't agree with that part of the resolution. And and yeah, I was I was shut down. Um, and you know that was not that was not correct. And so you know we had a conversation about it, and, and hopefully we'll move forward in a way where that doesn't happen again. Um, but you know it's it's really important in in our democracy that minority opinions are respected. You know it's it's very easy for uh, a majority to to silence minority opinions, and and that just doesn't serve our our democracy well. So, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all part of, you know, the process and, you know, I, I don't take this stuff personally. It's, it just, it happened and, you know, we have to talk about it and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. Oh, you know, it, it, you, 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 the way they acted, you'd think that the person had died. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the only time I can kind of see like, Right, right. Like no, even then, I don't think it's right in this it could, in this public situation with city councilors on a city council. But right. you know, it's the guy didn't die. He's 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 going to start a new, like you said, a new police department. It's like right. he's making money on something he probably shouldn't be. Like I'll say it. Like it's the right thing to say. Like when you you saying that represented it for a lot of us that really probably wouldn't feel comfortable saying it out loud as well, but we feel that way, you know, it's right. So. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, um, it's human nature, I think, you know, and, and it, it creates an atmosphere where, you know, if you have an unpopular opinion, you might think twice about bringing it up, right. Cause then you're going to get slammed again. And, you know, again, that's just not healthy for our for our democracy, and so you know, I, I do think it's important to push back when that when that happens and say, you know, you don't have to agree with me, but you do have to respect my right to to voice that that opinion. And so, you know, how do you deal with being that guy? Like, cause I'm not, in a lot of situations, I'm that guy too, and it's it's that kind of it's not easy. You know, how, how do you right. deal with it? How do you deal with being like, you know, Oh, it's quitting again, quitting. Cause <laughs> how do you deal with that? Cause you seem like you handle it pretty well. How, how, how do you handle it? Yeah, it, it isn't easy. I, you know, I think part of it is, is experience, you know, having gone through it many, many, many times <laughs> before, um, not just in city council, but in many other situations. Um, and and some of it is is also just knowing that you know at the end of the day what i'm doing is right you know e even if my particular opinion in that moment is wrong it's still right for me to say it and to voice that opinion that's my job you know that's that's why i run for office is to represent people who are not being represented and and that by definition means that I'm gonna say things that other people aren't saying and, and that aren't necessarily the, the popular thing to be saying. So so I, I kind of you know mentally prepare myself for you know that's just my job. You know, it's like if you 
you have to commute to work, you know, and you just know that it's going to take you an hour to get to work, you know, and you just you, you just put up with it. It doesn't mean it's not stressful, of course, but but you prepare yourself for it. Um, and then, you know, the, the other piece, which is really important, is to is to get that feedback from the people, from the voters that say, you know, we support you, you know, we agree with you. Um, and and that, that does help, right, because that bolsters you against uh, the negativity. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I treat it as a job. You know, it's, it's my job to do that and to say that. And, you know, my, my personal feelings aren't really all that important at the end of the day. So, you know, they, they do come up. I'm human. I have feelings. But I just try to kind of push that aside a little bit and say, you know, this isn't about you. You know, you're, you're doing your job. That's right. It's it's funny when you say to talk to the voters. I think that's saved me so many times. I, I don't listen to the voters. I listen to the the community, the listeners, the the viewers that you know, the people in our life that are listening to what I say. You know, because a lot of times, most hopefully, most of the time, they're like, "Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you keep going. No one's saying that. You should be saying that." But every once in a while. You know, you get the feedback where, you know what, like, uh, you know, you, you kind of went too far here. You know what I mean? Or you, you, you miss this little fact, you know, you screwed up this. Right. And if you're not willing to hear that feedback, like, like you're never going to get better or grow or become good, you know. So I think that's really the most important thing. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of city councilors and higher electeds, they kind of get away from that and they only focus on that every four years or every two years when they're running for election. And right. once they get election, it's like, they don't listen. They don't, you know, talk to us anymore. And that's what I really, a couple things I really love about Quentin. I'm just, you know, this is like a, a feel good roast almost of you right now. <laughs> Number one is you're really smart. You're always diving into the issues and the fine, you know, details and, you know, coming up with the smart ideas and smart solutions, whether it's, you know, the green, you know, the energy issues that we're having or the environment or the climate or any of these other racial, social justice issues we're talking about economics. Um, but the, the other things that I really like about you is that, you know, besides, you know, how, how hard you work and how transparent you are, you don't take money from like these dispensaries that we're talking about. You're not taking contributions from the seven new dispensaries. You're not taking money from the existing big uh, RMD dispensary that wanted to be almost like a monopoly for three or four years until everyone else caught up. You're just not taking money from anyone that has business like that in front of you in the city of Cambridge. And that's unlike a lot of electeds because we'll look at them, look them up and you know, even the ones that we like that are on our side in a lot of situations, they usually are taking the donations, you know, you're not, you just don't take that money. Right, Quentin. I don't. And you know, it's, it's really about being able to look the voters in the eye and say, I'm working for you. I'm not working for these business interests. And, you know, sometimes they align, sometimes they don't, but either way, I want to be able to represent the voters that I'm working for them. You know, and I'm fortunate that the voters respond to that and, you know, because they recognize at the end of the day, you do need money to get reelected. So, you know, they do open their wallets and, and support me in that way uh, as well. But, 
you know, I, I think it's really important for, again, for the integrity of our democracy that we make it really clear who we're working for, who we're representing. And, and that should be the voters, not the corporations. You know, the, the corporations are not, they're not the ones getting hurt. You know, they've got, they've got all the influence and power. Uh, it's really the people who get trampled. And so it, I think it's really important to, to make it clear to the people that I'm representing them, not, not the corporate interests. Now, um, you know, on some, on some other subjects, uh, the homeless issue that, we've kind of periodically touched on on the show over the last few years. Um, and one of the big things that I've kind of discovered through talking to some of the homeless folks and, and my friend, Jimmy, who's an advocate, who's, who's actually not homeless anymore, which is awesome. Uh, when we were, we we're started podcasting and talking to Jimmy, he was actually, you know, on the streets uh, in recovery, you know, drug free for the first time in a while. And uh, you know, now he's not homeless, but one of the issues that was kind of stopping him uh, from having housing at that point when, you know, he was in recovery were some of the, the one size fits all rules with a lot of these homeless advocacy groups that, you know, offer shelter and services. And, and some of them are like, you know, you know, you can't use cannabis at all, you know, and we're not talking about like someone lighting a joint, you know, inside no we're just saying they can't you know if they get caught smoking a joint outside if they get you know if they smell like it at all coming in they'll get denied housing and there are other you know there's just a lot of rules and regulations that people that are homeless won't put up with and so i guess the question is how do we conquer this homeless issue because there are a lot of people that are on the street that I feel like we could be helping that we're not because of the, because of the rules and the you know the the rules on housing for homeless. You're absolutely right, and you know when you really dig into it and you start to unpack all of these these layers and these rules, what you come to realize is that the system is profoundly unfair, right, and that it's it's really set up to decide early in your life. Are you going to be, you know, successful and, and you get to have a house and a car and, you know, live a comfortable life or not? And, and if you're in the not category, then society just punishes you over and over and over again. It makes it really hard to come out of that situation, right? And, and that's profoundly unfair. And it's, it's an ongoing injustice and it, and it really gets built into our laws and you know this this sort of zero tolerance um, approach where people who are living in public housing you know if they have one violation or or you know i mean some of the rules are, are so unbelievably bad that you know even if a tenant you know has a party and somebody comes over to their house and smokes a joint then now they get evicted you know it's right. like, it just blows your mind that this stuff goes on, um, and and ultimately the the only way to fix that is to allow people to be self sufficient, right, and and to not create this situation where they are beholden to the state, if you will, right, and you know politics is is almost circular, right, because it sounds almost libertarian, but but I think it really is true that 
you know, the point of helping people isn't to make them dependent on on that help. Right. It's to help them through a difficult period so that they can be on their exactly. own. Exactly. And do what they want to do. A, like a, I like the old a bridge through troubled waters, you know, because right. I feel like a lot of people, it, it, that's all it should be. And, and But unfortunately, it becomes a lifetime of troubled waters because the bridge wasn't, wasn't there, you know, and, and right. unfortunately... You know, even like my friend, you know, Jimmy and some of these other stories I'm hearing. I mean, there was a story where they had housing and they got in a fight about the dishes. You know, the way the dishes were done about the chores with, you know, an older person who was the new person in the house got into a verbal disagreement with someone who had been there longer, who was younger, who was kind of bossy to the older person. And the older person got tossed out right away. You know, it's just like instead of like finding a new place for them to live, it's like you're labeled, you're your trouble, you're out, right. you know, and right. just like right. throw you away when right. this person really needed housing, you know. So I, I see these little things over and over again like that with right. the housing situation. And it's just like you said, you're indebted to this, just like you, you if you screw anything up, you're out, you know, right. and it's like where and it should be like, can't we just give them a stipend to get them? Right, you know, exactly. a place to stay for a little while. Exactly. So I, I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of universal basic income, you know, and and other programs like that, where what you're doing is giving people direct financial support, so that they can solve their problems, and you know, do what they need to do to, to get on a on a better path in life. And of course, you know, different people need different levels of support, right? And so there may be situations where people need, you know, direct housing for some period of time, but the goal should be that we get them into a situation where they can live wherever they want, you know? Like why, why should it be that because you're poor, you can only live here or, or in this other place or you're on the streets, you know, like that, that's just ridiculous to me. Um, but you know our, our whole system is unfair, right? The economy is unfair, you know, and and a lot of that has been exposed, right? And it's it's fascinating to me to see, you know, with COVID and and you know it's been almost two years now, and it's like the big resignation, right? Like so many people are like, oh, you know what? I don't like this job. I don't want this job. I'm out of here. Right. And, you know, at all levels, right, from Amazon warehouse workers to, you know, high tech workers. And and what's fascinating to me is that all these employers now are like, oh, no, wait a minute, come back. OK, we'll give you more money. You know, we'll pay for you to go to college. And I'm like, you should have been doing that all along. Like, oh, my God. Tell me about right? it. Right, It's, it's happened different. to me. I mean, you know, I, I, I go back to my stories because, you know, I'm doing really well right now. I'm self-employed. But, you know, I had a. I really did well in my thirties and then lost it all and had to start over new careers and really got, you know, screwed over by so many people, you know, just the, and at one point they wouldn't even hire you. And, you know, when you finally get hired and you prove you can work hard and you know, when I'm about to go self-employment, right. My boss, my, the, the, the owner of the company, you know, after he just gave me my first raise, you know, now he wants to throw everything at me to keep me. And it's just like that whole thing. You should have done that two years ago. Maybe there would have been some loyalty. You know what I mean? It's right. like, right. it's like, it's just, it's just crazy. I would never go back to it. Um, it I, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see people, you know, 
getting some, you know, getting a little money. I'm glad. I hope the unemployment led to a lot of people uh, becoming self-sufficient and, you know, working for themselves a little more if they can. I mean, I think that's a great thing. Uh, we have some questions. Uh, Patrick asks, where does Quinton stand on uh, changing the name of Faneuil Hall in Boston? Absolutely. Let's do it yesterday. Let's do it yesterday. <laughs> um, I got I got another question for you. Going back to uh, the first in the nation, Cambridge is you know basically the first in the nation to pass like an economic empowerment for can uh, for uh, cannabis, uh, where it sets an exclusivity period for smaller players, newer players, brand new players who aren't the existing brick and mortar dispensaries to get recreational licenses. It was, you know, what Grant Smith called the first in the nation. Um, and really the first in the state, there aren't, you know, too many of these going on in the cities and towns of Massachusetts. Um, but for a handful and Cambridge was definitely number one in the, in the by far a leader on it. What would your suggestion be for other cities and towns, their elected leaders, their city councilors, their aldermen, uh, their selectmen, their mayors. What would your advice to them be on cannabis licensing right now? I would say prioritize justice, you know, and and do the right thing. I mean, we've we've done it. You can download our law from the internet, you know, and maybe you have to tweak it a little bit for your situation, but you don't have to start from scratch. We've survived legal challenges. It's been affirmed that what we're doing is is legally allowed. Um, so, you know, the, a lot of the excuses have, have melted away, right? I mean, oftentimes when we try to do new things in, in policymaking, one of the objections is, you know, well, this might not work or, you know, nobody's done it before. So, you know, it's at risk. Well, we've de-risked it, right? <laughs> we've de-risked the strategy. So, and, and you're seeing the, the results, right? I mean, nobody's open yet, but we have seven HCA signed. That's, that's tremendous, right? And so I would say, you know, do it, right? Just copy our, our stuff. I mean, it's, it's free, it's not copyrighted. You know, anybody can, anybody can use it and, and hopefully even improve on it, you know? Um, so I, I hope that other municipalities will will see what we've done and what we're doing and and start copying it and then you know build on that right invest in it um you know we're not we're not standing still it's not good enough as we discussed tonight to see these seven open up we we want to do reparations we want to do restitution you know yeah. we want we want racial justice so you know this is this is just the beginning of, of what can be, you know, some, some really beautiful changes that we can make in our communities, but it does take investment, you know, in, in time and effort and, and commitment to the cause. And, you know, the other thing I would say is, you know, give Saskia a call because uh, she'll, yeah. she'll definitely help you get it right. <laughs> Restitution too. I, I think that's would be popular no matter where it was in the state, like reparations, I think in certain places will be very popular in other places just because of the demographics and, and the way that people are, I think they kind of re recoil from it. But right. I think when you say the word restitution for drug, I think everyone gets that, you know, and I think it cuts across and uh, it's going to help, you know, I like it all. I'm not, I'm not, you know, nitpicking it, but I'm just saying if, uh, 
there are any city, you know, if there are any uh, elected folks in different areas, you could use bits and pieces of this and, and get the same effect, you know, I, I feel right. like. Yeah, no, I think it's that was that's why it was so important to us, um, you know, to Saskia and, and to myself that that we really did separate those two issues because they are separate and different. Um, and, you know, when you use the word reparations, people think slavery automatically. And so I think it is important to, to talk about restitution for the war on drugs and, and even for, you know, um, racist housing discrimination. I mean, we've talked about housing and homelessness. You know, black families in, in the United States have been denied uh, homeownership for, for generations. That's know? right. And, and that's another policy that I worked on. Uh, this year with Councilor Simmons to introduce um, a request for a $500 million bond issue uh, by the city of Cambridge to build homeownership uh, housing for first-generation homebuyers, which would allow us to begin to, to do some restitution for uh, that, that housing discrimination that, that's, you know, been ongoing for, for over a century uh, in this country. And that underlies a lot of the poverty and, and the homelessness that we see in the black community that's disproportionate because um, you know that generational opportunity to build wealth has been denied for for so long so you know these are really deep-seated issues and, and as a society I think we're we're still only beginning to come to terms with it you know and, and the the bigots are realizing that we're oh, coming yeah. in terms of I, this. I would say we're not even, we're, we're, yeah, we're at the very, very beginning of it. Cause it's like, we're just talking about it. And, and, exactly. and like, we're still arguing about it. I'm still, you know, what I'm saying about the reparations uh, for slavery, it's because so many people shut it off. They're just right. like, oh, that doesn't affect us anymore. Right. Right. Like, oh, that ago, happened right. a long time ago. Everything's right. good now. Right. It's like it's racism. It's basically they only want to deal with something if it affects them. And, and right. they look at the drug war and they're like, oh, well, that actually affected people. I know that actually affected people who are alive right now. You know, right. so it's kind of a weird thing when, well, you know, slavery issue still affects a lot of people today because it was never friggin addressed. It was the biggest genocide in this country. I mean, come on. I mean, right. Right. this is, you know, the Indians and, 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 and black Americans you owe them everything. I mean, that's just that should just be the way it is. Absolutely right, and and that's what you know we captured in in the Commission for Racial Justice and Equity is that it's not just about reparations for slavery, but also for for genocide against the native people, for land theft, for renaming buildings, you know, like Daniel Hall. You know, all of that has to be addressed because. That's ongoing harm. You know, I, I remember uh, in my first term, we, we had a bit of a kerfuffle in City Hall about the state flag because, you know, that's racist and, and you know, is, is harmful to, to Native people. And we had this young, young girl who came to testify at, at City Hall and, and, you know, she's Native American. And she said she was attending weekly programs for empowering girls at city hall and and had to turn her face away from the flag because it was so offensive to her while she was there and you know that was a really powerful you know moment because 
you know, like you said, like for all of us, we're just like, oh yeah, that's the state flag, whatever. You know, like we don't think doesn't about affect that. us. Doesn't right. affect me. Exactly. Doesn't affect my white skin. That's what it, people think. Right. And so until you hear somebody explain that and and until you listen to that and understand that perspective and say, Wow, I understand now why that would hurt you, even if it's not necessarily hurting me in the same way right that's when you can begin to to do justice and say you know do we need to keep the same flag why can't we come up with a a, a more beautiful flag that honors everybody right? right that honors all of our heritage and and doesn't perpetuate harm and you know that's the beautiful thing about doing racial justice is that it is for everybody you know, people think it's oh, it's only for the black people. It's only for the no, people. no, that's, that's what, not true. It's, it's about, for everybody. Yeah, it's about you know uh, reparations too. For me, is like the, when I see that word, I think about repairing harm. That's right. really what it is: is making up. And yeah. I really like that you guys have added the word restitution in there um, for the drug war because you know, show me the money. Like I, right. I feel like so many times, you know, it's nice that you have a commission to figure out you know what to do and all. You know, we need that, but. A lot of times that's where it, it, it ends on a lot of these things. It's just like, we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about it. We're going to come up with a new statue or a new holiday or a new this or new that, but we're not actually fixing the economic harm. And and there's only one way, you know, to fix when you've ripped people off and it's, it's money. It's, it's you got to give them, show, show them the money, like <laughs> open up the checkbook. Um, I saw one of the city councilors said that they felt like it should be done more on the federal level versus the right. city council. Um, I, I just didn't like that quote in the Cambridge, um, you know, the uh, Cambridge Day. I don't know if that was like her main point or anything. I'm not even going to say her name, but um, I just didn't like it because it felt like it's discounting the power that the Cambridge City Council has. Cambridge City Council leads on these issues. It has forever. It's It's got a... This is what the Cambridge City Council is for. I mean, it right. it starts here. You know, this is when when we did uh, look at cannabis. Cannabis started in certain places, like in you know little cities and and out west out in California. Right. Medical right. started, so like that's how these things start, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, it, the it the federal responsibility. Um, for slavery, the war on drugs, housing discrimination is enormous. There's no question about it, right? The federal government literally owes us trillions of dollars for for that harm. But to say that, you know, we have to wait then until the federal government gets their act together and starts sending us checks, no, because justice delayed is justice denied. And you know, the, the real irony is that the federal government is sending us checks. The city of Cambridge accepted $65 million check from the Biden administration as part of the American Rescue Plan funds to pay for coming out of COVID. And there's no, no real script for how that money has to be used, right? There's some guidelines like, you know, we can't do whatever we want. But we can do a lot of things. Like we could build a hotel and say, you know, anybody who's homeless can go stay there. We could use that money for that. So, you know, these opportunities actually come to us when 
we're not even expecting that. And so part of the point of doing reparations locally, having this commission, is to make it a practice and to get ready, right? So that some glorious day, when the money the, comes, the, when the money comes, we'll be ready. Right? Which it just so, did come. So exactly, let's find a so, way to. So let's get ready, right? And and you know that was really Saskia's point with with the the restitution was she said you know this tax revenue is coming, right? And we got to get ready. We we have to figure out how to put this to use to do justice for Black people. And I couldn't agree more because, again, you know. 10 years ago, was anybody predicting that, oh, yeah, we're going to legalize cannabis and it's going to generate all this tax revenue? No, you'd be like laughed out of the room, right? But here we are. And You know what's funny, happened. too? It's like happened. This just happened yesterday. I saw it in the Cambridge Day. Has any of the major media picked up on this? I, I'd be surprised that they haven't, but I don't think I've seen it. Not no. yet, no. I mean, we did send out a press release today. So, you know, hopefully some of those stories will come out. Um, and they did the the Globe did publish an article on the on the reparations uh, piece over the summer, um, but yeah, I mean the you know the media is not paying attention to to the stuff in the way that they should, and you know that's a whole other conversation about you know local media, you know Cambridge versus Boston, it's like they get ignored, but um, you know I, I think you're absolutely right and. You know, it's in in some ways it's it's a way for people to defer these problems. You know, it's it's similar with with climate change. You know, with all of these issues where people will say, "Oh, well, you know, we need a federal law to deal with that." You know, what? How much? How much can we do from Cambridge? Well, a lot, right? Because we can lead, we can show the way, and then when the rest of the country gets their act together, we'll be ready. Uh, Nate was talking about the homeless issue we were talking about earlier. He said they can't have money at the bank or they lose housing. Doesn't make sense. That's another issue with so many of the benefits that uh, for people who, That's crazy. you know, even That's like crazy. my health care, like, you know, get certain stipends if you make under a certain amount for your health care. And then when you make more, they take all your money away. It's like, it's just like you can't get ahead. It's really hard right now. It, it's nuts. And, you know, people will say, you know, how can you support universal basic income, you know, we shouldn't just give people money. And I'm like, the only reason you're not poor is because somebody gave you money. <laughs> and that's, you know, just think about it for a second, right? Like, did you deserve it? Like, what did you do for the first 18 years of your life to deserve all the money that was given to you, right? Nothing. So it's it's just a fundamental unfairness. And, and when you give people money, it's amazing what, what they can do with it, right? And, and how they figure out how to solve their own problems. So, you know, I totally agree. I mean, we shouldn't be charging people who make below a certain amount for for their housing. Like, we should just give it to them for free. Just be like, you can live here as long as you need to live here, right? And if you become a millionaire, well, you're probably going to move anyway. Like, right. we don't need to protect against that. But know? if you make over 35K, you know, you lose your housing. I mean, that's yeah, usually what that's, happens to people right away. It's just stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. Especially in Massachusetts where it's like, you know, raise the limits at least, you know? Right. So so people, you know, don't have to choose between a job and housing. It's just uh right. It makes no right. sense. And every time anywhere in the world that there's been a, a universal basic income pilot, the results have just been amazing, right? Everywhere in the world. There, there's not a single example that I've seen where 
things went south. You know, everywhere people people's lives improved. They they actually worked more, right? Because getting a job doesn't endanger their their basic income. So they're like, oh wait, so I can get this money and I can earn more money That's on right. top. Right. So I'm going to go get a job, right? So it makes such a difference, you know, when you as someone who's uh, been, you know, bankrupt and had a lot of money in the bank or just had a little money in the bank, you know, just, I've been in every place you can imagine financially. Right. And it, it just when you when you have like, you know, you can cover three months rent. That is just like the most amazing moment for most people when you have like three, like literally three months rent in the bank because you right. feel like. I can really, you know, I'm good either. Like I can, you know, I'm not going to sink. I got three months. You know what I mean? Like, and for some people that is just so hard to ever get to. And and if we could just make that for everybody, like, you know, because when you get to that moment, when you've been like really struggling, you get there, you're like, wow, it just makes life so much easier. And you're not rich. Three months rent is not. And I'm talking about having three months rent in the bank, you know, right. when you have a certain amount, whether it's 10, 20,000 in the bank, you know, and your bills are paid that month, you're good. You, you know, you have a certain feeling of security that just, right. you can't explain. No, it's, it's so true. I, you know, I think I was born a socialist because I remember as, as a, a young boy, I would, you know, get into discussions with my grandfather and he, he was quite wealthy. And and I would say, you know, Grandpa, why don't why don't the rich people just give money to the poor people? Like I don't get it, you know. And he would say, oh, that'll never work because you know the poor people don't know how to manage their money, and so it would just all end up back with the rich people. And I'm like, yeah. So what's the problem? <laughs> like, just keep doing it, you know. Just keep giving it back to the poor, and then if you make the money back, then you just give it to the poor again. That's what our economy is supposed to be doing anyway, you know. But we just we, we just have it all screwed up and we're like, you know, no, people can only get money if they work hard. That's not even true, right? It's not like, you know, people on Wall Street work harder than, you know, the people picking up your garbage. Like, that's not true, you know? So it just doesn't make any sense. It sure doesn't. Um, we're starting to run out of time, but, and I know you got family life going on there. Um, what are some of the other things you're working on right now in Cambridge City Council that you want to promote or talk about? I know climate is always a big issue for you. You've done. I, I've been watching on your uh, Facebook or your Twitter, which I both follow. That you've done some home improvements lately as well. Yeah, yeah. We we are in a net zero house right now, um, zero emissions. So we converted everything to electric. Um, and I actually called up the the gas company to disconnect the gas. That was pretty uh, pretty funny too because they <laughs> they just showed up and they're like. Oh, we have to disconnect the gas, and then they like ripped open the road and they have to, like do all this stuff. And I'm like, wait, you don't have like a switch, like you can just turn it off. You have to like rip open the whole street just to turn off my gas. It's ridiculous. Um, but but yeah, it's you know it's still too hard and too expensive, right, for most people to be able to do that. And so I've introduced a policy called the Green New Deal Zoning Petition, which is going through the council right now. And the idea is to, to charge large commercial buildings for the emissions that they're going to generate over their entire lifetime. And, and I'm being very generous, right? I'm assuming that, that your emissions are going to be zero by 2050 because 
if they're not, we got bigger problems. So, so we're just going to calculate your emissions as if they're going down to zero by 2050, and then you pay us for that. And those funds have to go to energy efficiency projects, renewable energy projects, those kind of things, as well as uh, green jobs training programs. Because the other injustice in Cambridge, right, is that we have this you know, world-class innovation economy that's generating tons of money for people who are already doing well. And then the poor people, the black people, low-income people who are living in the shadows of those buildings they don't get to participate. And so this is an opportunity for us to do justice there as well by making sure that we're training people for sustainable jobs, you know, like installing solar panels or making buildings more energy efficient or planting food or, or planting trees, right? So there's lots of opportunities, but we have to be proactive about it. We have to train people, we have to invite them into those jobs and say, you know, we really want you to do this work and we're going to pay you a, a living wage so that you can have a decent life doing this work. And and that's all part of this policy. And, you know, again, as, as always, right, when you're trying to do new things, there's objections and, oh, but, you know, it doesn't fit. And how do we do this and how do we do that? But, you know, we're, we're pushing it forward. We have a hearing uh, next week, Tuesday at, at 3.30. Um, we have support from, you know, across the community, um, and I'm especially excited about um, the young folks. You know, we have the, this uh, CRLS High School uh, junior who just published an op-ed in support of the policy, and, you know, what she lays out in her op-ed is that this, this really gives her hope, right, that we can create that world that that she can live into, right? Because for some of us who've been here a while, you know, it's not as big a problem, right? But for people who are just coming up, you know, my kids and people their age, they look into the future and they're like, oh my God, you know, like right. what are you people doing? And, you know, it's not hopeless, right? There are things we can do that, that would make it better. It seems yeah. like every couple of weeks or months, you know, it should dawn on people. You know, the weather. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's really getting crazy out there weather-wise. It's nuts, you know. And how how can you not see it, right? I mean, I still remember ten years ago, fifteen years ago, people were saying, "Well, you know, stick your finger out the window." You know, it's still the way it used to be. It's I think I'm one of them. Yeah. I think I was one of them back then. You know, yeah. I wasn't really convinced either way, but I just think it's it's obvious now. I mean, it really is. Yeah. You, you can't, you just look outside and you can see the difference. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, I, I look at that and, and it's, and it's terrible. It's terrifying. It's, it's depressing, but at the same time, you know, what always keeps me going is that nature is just tremendously resilient. You know, I mean, I'm from the tropics, as you know, and, you know, if you leave a piece of land fallow for like five minutes, the, the rainforest just comes right back. You know, it takes like, over. It just takes it over. So, you know, nature is just incredibly resilient and, and humans are absolutely making a mess, but nature will fix it. You know, I mean, it might take a million years or, you know, whatever, but nature's going to fix it. So our if job... It have to, yeah, if it has to fix us to fix it. Right. So our, our job... It is to align ourselves with nature, right? And, and to stop destroying it and stop making a mess. 
but we can absolutely do it and, and we have all the technology and know-how to do so it's good for business too i don't know we're getting some weird background you hear that was that your phone yeah no? that was my, my okay. phone right now. i was wondering what the heck that was i'm like is that my computer <laughs> blanket out or um i got i got one more last question for you tonight um going back to rev clinic specifically because we've done a lot of coverage over the last probably 18 months or two years on two companies specifically new england treatment access and rev clinics and they've continuously come up in crazy stories and crazy coverage we've we've done on them and just even outside of us there's just a lot of stuff going on there you've dealt with rev clinics specifically in cambridge over the last couple of years with these lawsuits what would your advice be to the folks number one running rev clinics but also their investors and other companies out there on how to kind of proceed from here and what not to do and, and kind of maybe some of the things that rev clinics shouldn't have done that they did and what what they could kind of do better now yeah i mean you know i'll, I'll quote Martin Luther King, you know, it's it's always the right time to do the right thing. So no matter what's happened, no matter what they've done wrong, it's never too late. Right? They could they could come back tomorrow and say, you know what? We messed this up. Here's what we're gonna do. And you know, when when we were having the negotiations a couple of years ago, you know, I said to them, I said, look, you can Put up the money anytime you want, right? Anytime you want, you can say, because, you know, they were saying, well, we want to be able to help these economic empowerment applicants and, you know, help get them set up and this and that. And they said, just do it. You don't have to wait for us, right? What are you waiting for? And, and even now, that's true. So, you know, as much as they've done the wrong thing they can still do the right thing and you know i said this to to a different company that was that was trying to oppose the moratorium originally two years ago you know they said well you know why why do i have to you know do do restitution for the war on drugs you know like it wasn't my fault right that's what the the ceo said to me and and I said, because you benefited from it, you know, you got to live in, in beautiful Newton, you know, you didn't have to go to jail, even if you smoked some weed, you know, like you got to live this privileged life. And now you get to be the CEO of this cannabis company and all these kids who were being harassed by the cops and thrown into jail and having their lives ruined. Now you're saying to them, oh, you don't get to participate in this business. You don't get to make money. That's just deeply unfair, you know, and, and he got really quiet and you know what? They stopped opposing us. So and that was, that was Sierra naturals, right? I think, was it? Um, guessing? no, is it the no? one, but healthy farms? <laughs> I yeah. I, I mean, but you know, You're the point is, yeah, I don't want to name names, right, but, cool. but, I, but the point is that they did the right thing and, and they realized that opposing what we were doing was the wrong thing and you know rev clinics says that you know they apologize and that they shouldn't have sued us but it's like but you did sue us and 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 even yesterday 
they were opposing extending the moratorium for a year. So what are you doing? You know, at some point you you could say, you know what, we're just gonna let this happen and we're gonna be fine, right? They're they're gonna be fine as a business. They don't need to be opposing this, you know, trying to, to fight this this effort at every at every turn. It's just now at one, at one point unnecessary. They said that this more to port this two-year moratorium that is just about up. They said that it would put them out of business, right? Well, here we are. They did say that. If I if I'm I don't have like Alzheimer's, right? They I think they I recall. Sure yeah, they said it would put them out of business. Right. And I, here we are. They're still in business. I don't think anyone thinks that they're going out of business right now. They're not, yeah. So it's it's just absurd. And you know, there's plenty of opportunity for everybody to participate. And you know they're they're part of our law too. You know our law says that once this moratorium expires, they're allowed to operate. So you know I hope that they will embrace that and and that they will embrace the the equity and and the justice that we're trying to do, and and really become partners instead of instead of opponents. That opportunity is still before them. Let's hope so. Uh, that's Cambridge City Councilor Quinton Zondervan. I always uh, appreciate your time. One of the other things I love about you, I mentioned a few, is that you always come to talk to us and answer any and all questions that come up from our audience. I mean, I ask you, you know, can you come on this week? And you're always like, yes. How about Tuesday or Thursday? You know, it's like <laughs> instant get back. Sometimes it's like, I don't even know. I'll try to come and you you show up unannounced. I mean, you're just you always try to make it and you show up and you get back to us and you're just re very responsive and, and definitely uh, approachable and uh, really appreciate your time. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be on your show and I hope that uh, we get to do this a lot more frequently again. I definitely hope so. Uh, it looks like we will. Cause I, I think we're definitely going to uh, be doing a lot more broadcasting again. And uh, yeah, we, we we got some big things hopefully planned over the next year or two. It's funny we uh, our biggest year so far was really you know if we're talking about money it was 2019. Mm. You know this show was like on fire and uh, we were actually everything was on fire and then COVID hit. But it's you know we can't kill the show. It's just like no matter what people even when I try to take three months off, four months off, and say I'm not sure, it it draws us back in. People want it. And we want it and we know, you know, so we, we're going to keep doing it. And uh, I really th thank you for your time. I thank you for all the work that you do, Quentin. Anything you want to leave our audience again before they before you leave? Anything you want to kind of push them to do? Anyone you want them to call, show up for? Show up for all of it. Let's do justice. You know, pick pick candidates to support that are aligned with your values in these elections. And, and go all out, you know, knock doors for them, stand at the polls, you know, pick out these policies that you support and, you know, come out and support. Um, write us, you know, write the city manager. Let us know what what you want to see in, in your city. Um, you know, I think for, for all of us as elected officials, we, we depend on, on that feedback, on that input from the voters. So don't be shy and, you know, we're we're here to to listen to you again uh i want to thank you again uh it's cambridge city councilor quinton uh zondervan 
and you can also follow him on Twitter. I like to follow him on Twitter, Facebook, but on Twitter, it's Q Zondervan on Twitter. Definitely follow him. Uh, and you also have a website and all that as well, right, Quentin? Yes, votequentin.com. Thank you very much. And uh, we're the Young Jerks. I want to thank everyone again uh, for supporting, listening to us. Midnightmass.substack.com is our website. We're going to have a lot more content uh, upcoming there as well. I want to su- uh, thank all of our supporters there, the people who are paying subscribers, and uh, especially the people who voted for us on this poll. That you know, We got the Best Cannabis Podcast Award at the big convention this weekend. Thank you so much. And uh, again, thank you, Quentin, for being here. And uh, we're the Young Jerks. We'll, we'll see you soon.